0: Good morning, everyone. Our guest this morning is Andrew Friedman, the executive director of Coalition for Cannabis. Andrew, you were referred to talk to us about this area. Tell us first about you and your organization.
1: Hi, and it's a pleasure to be here today, and I hope everybody's good the the day after the Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, My name is Andrew Friedman. I was the uh, cannabis czar for uh, Colorado's rollout of their cannabis program. Um, when we first uh, legalized adult use, when voters first legalized adult use in Colorado, then worked for 19 other governments, helping them uh, implement newly legalized uh, cannabis laws from adult use to medical and, and hemp programs. Uh, and uh, about two years ago, we started the Coalition for Cannabis Policy, Education, and Regulation at the federal level, which is really uh, a group dedicated to the idea that, that the horse is out of the barn on this one, that um, states have decided to... Uh, legalized in their own ways, uh, and that it's uh, while the states we're gonna, are gonna, are gonna lead here, uh, the federal government needs to do everything it can to, to help make sure it's done the best way possible. So we're a group of, um, regulated industries that have been here before, uh, subject matter experts in public health and public safety, uh, academics, think tanks, uh, all designed to make sure, uh, we do this
0: the best way possible. You, so you mentioned you were part of the first effort to regulate weed there in Colorado after it was legalized. I'm curious about your perspective on where cannabis policy was then uh, compared to now.
1: Yeah, um, it's interesting. Uh, the The conversation uh, has, has, has really matured um, in a way that, uh, especially over the last couple of years, that um, it, it, it wasn't when it first passed. When it first passed, it really was. Um, I think seen as a, a pretty liberal side issue um, and um, uh, one that was for really a, a niche crowd of people interested in, in cannabis, and it, it's really turned into uh, much more of a bipartisan issue over time of, of liberals and conservatives um, who are who see this as more of a state's rights issue, um, see this as something better handled by localities and, and what needs to happen on the ground there. Um, and uh, and so the issues have matured along with that as well, that uh, how do you, how do states run a model that can best beat out the illicit market, um, can make sure that um, people aren't driving while high, um, can make sure uh, that it, it decreases youth use, um, and it's much more um, just how can we make sure that this is kind of the best consumer packaged, good regulated industry uh, in the world.
0: So, in case folks may not be fully up to speed here, federally, where does cannabis stand? It's a Schedule One drug, still, isn't it federally?
1: Yes, uh, it is. Uh, continues to be a Schedule One drug, uh, and I think a, a fact that still surprises people, um, like people in Alaska, who say, "Well, we legalized it here, so that doesn't apply here is the you know, you ask a, a cannabis business that, and they're like, "No, it, it definitely still applies." Mm. Um, uh, all commercial activity, um, I mean, cannabis commercial activity, in even in legalized states, is technically still a federal crime. Uh, and so um, while the federal government isn't uh, enforcing against uh, the possession of or um, the sale of cannabis from regulated um, uh, stores, uh, that still ends up having a pretty massive impact on the day-to-day business of, of these cannabis.
0: Yeah, and could you explain how that works? So it, it, the business still has a product that's federally illegal, but then the state recognizes it as legal. Could you just explain that that yeah. uh, that dynamic there? How does how does it work?
1: I mean, it, it is it, it is bonkers. Um, uh, I'm not sure it's exactly what uh, the founding fathers had in mind when they talked about states being able to kind of be the laboratories of democracy here. Um, uh, the state is under no obligation to make something illegal simply because the federal government decides that it's illegal. And many states have gone forward and said, you know what, we don't think cannabis should be illegal. There's far too many, it's far far too prevalent. And if it can be used responsibly, it should be used responsibly. Um, uh, and so they've set up their own regulatory systems, but it's been in the shadow of federal illegality. So even though there's an entire legal apparatus, in states like Alaska, um, uh, those apparati- even if somebody was was meeting every letter of every law on the state level, they are still massively committing a, a federal crime mm-hmm. while they like, while they go forward with all of that. And so are the people who um, you know might sell them supplies, or the person who might lease them uh, a, um, uh, a, disp- a, a a spot for their dispensary, or. Um, the the person who might give them a bank loan, all of those people are technically committing federal crimes.
0: So to move past this process, which you called bonkers, where do we stand on federal legalization?
1: Uh, so um, the, there have been a few efforts this legislative session. Um, the House did pass um, a descheduling um, uh, bill that, that was not taken up uh, in the Senate. Um,
0: oh, so it stalled. In my
1: it, it, descheduling and, and setting up a regulatory system um, uh, on the federal level is is what would be needed to solve this this massive impact, this massive uh, conflict between state and federal law, um, and uh, and it really does have to go through Congress in order to get there. Um, uh, the, the on a on a purely technical note, that's what needs to happen. I think on a political note, the way that that does happen is this has to be an issue that Republicans decide to start to own. Um, uh, you know, I, the majority of Democrats have, have backed legalization. Um, polling shows that a majority of Republicans support legal uh, federal regulation, federal descheduling, uh, letting states decide what they wanna do in their own backyards. Um, and there have started to become some Republican leaders, um, particularly on the House side, who have, start, who have started to say, it's time for change here. Um, but I think until we get uh, a number of um, uh, Republican Congress people and senators uh, to start becoming leaders here, I don't think we'll see a political change on, on the federal level.
0: I, I believe there was a bill, and it may be the same bill you're mentioning, that was to expand medical cannabis research. I believe that did pass out of the House and Senate. So, what, what's the what's the interest in that avenue, legalizing it on a medical uh, status?
1: Yeah. So the the, the cannabis uh, research bill that passed uh, does not legalize me- uh, legalize it for medicinal purposes. Um, it was it's actually a, a fairly minor change. It's a good one, but it's fairly minor. Um, uh, that will allow for universities to do more direct research in a more timely fashion on uh, cannabis. Um, right now, kind um, to add to the to the strangeness or the bonkersness bonkerishness mm-hmm. of cannabis, it's considered a Schedule One drug. Which um, you know, cocaine is a Schedule Two drug, um, uh, and Schedule One drugs come with a lot of restrictions on how you can research it. You can take. Up to a decade to do to do research on cannabis, and this bill eases some of those restrictions. It doesn't remove it from Schedule One, but it eases some of the restrictions on cannabis research that um, that universities can can go through, which is helpful. Uh, and we do think, you know, clearly, fast-tracking science and and collecting data here is is fundamental to getting this right. Um, so it's a good it's a good step in the right direction.
0: We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be right back and we're back with andrew friedman he's the executive director of coalition for cannabis a nationwide organization so in up here in alaska we're seeing an increase in cultivators and those working for marijuana growers I wanted to ask you, what do you even need to open one of these businesses? Is, is it as easy as growing it and they will come? Uh, take us through one of these businesses just starting.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think uh, everybody believes that this is, uh, or the outsiders would say that this this is kind of the next new gold rush. Um, and. Um, and, and fortunes are being made right now. Unfortunately, that, that's not really true. It's, it's a pretty tough business to be in right now, um, particularly with the federal um, uh, restrictions on it. Uh, and, and that's uh, the biggest thing is what you need is just a lot of capital, and you're not going to get it from a bank. You're not going to get it from traditional uh, sources of capital um, because there's too much risk involved with it rem- remaining federally uh, illegal, uh, and so you're going to put up your your own friends and family money. Um, and, um, and, uh, Alaska, particularly in the last couple of years really has seen this market mature and boom and, and really take over the illicit market. But there was a time where it was very slow going and a lot of people put up their friends and family capital believing that they would build it and it would come. Uh, and it took a while uh, and there were some, there's some bumps in the road. And during that time, a lot of people lost almost everything, um, uh, it's really a, a pretty high-risk place to be right now, um, particularly when it comes to um,
0: uh, uh, being an individual business owner there. That's interesting. So so it, it can't be any official investment organizations? You're saying it's purely their own capital that's standing up these businesses?
1: There, there are some outside funders, but they're really specialty uh, venture capitalist funds around cannabis. Um uh, and, um, you know, those, that type of capital comes with a lot of strings
0: attached. And, um, again, because uh, of the I- illegal yep. nature of the. Yes. Okay.
1: You, now, you can't go and, say, get a small business loan like you would with <laughs> any other small business.
0: Yep. Uh, I see. Now, now, in talking about the tax revenue, what do you typically see in communities that are in legal states? Uh, Sorry, can you, you repeat that question? Sorry, I was talking on the tax revenue side. Yep. What, what what do you see uh, communities... Uh, what tax revenue do you see in these communities? What what do they usually treat it as? You're, you, you referred it to as a gold rush. So what are some of these yeah. communities saying now that these markets are maturing and now that it's becoming legal?
1: Yeah, so... Uh- you know, what I would generally put it as is, let's say, in Colorado, um, uh, it brings in more money than uh, the craft uh, um, beer industry, which craft beer is a, a big thing in Colorado. Um, uh, but it's still, it, it r- roughly works out to $300 million a year, which, again, is that's good money, but it is about 1% of the total budget. So um, we always like to caution, um, you know, don't, I think you're going to pay for all things in education, or transport, or or transportation, um, or healthcare um, from the cannabis fund. Um, uh, but there are significant things you can pay for um, uh, from from that. And generally, places have seen that as a boon. Uh, and in particular, smaller towns um, that might raise their own um, might have their own industry that has their own individual taxes around it. Uh, it can become a, a more significant source of revenue. Uh, And we really see more examples of places like Pueblo where the steel industry had shut down. Um, They they have found some good opportunities, I think, backfilling um, those jobs lost with uh, with cultivation sites uh, that come with their own, you know, uh, built out warehouses um, and and greenhouses uh, that that has ended up being, I think, more of the economic prowess around it is really reaching into those communities.
0: So I wanted to revisit a, a point you had made earlier in the program, and that's creating this federal framework. Take us through some of the salient points of this vision. Uh, we've got about less than 10 minutes. <laughs> I, I, I'm, sure we could, um, we, I'm sure we can't solve all the problems here, but what, what's some of the uh, key points that need to be advanced as soon as yeah, possible I, in I mean, your view?
1: From, from a conceptual framework, I think there needs to be an ex- acknowledgement from the federal government that uh, that states have already decided to go their own direction on this. Uh, it is not, you know, we used to say cannabis legalization is inevitable because you see the polls, but the, the more true statement is cannabis legalization is already here, and we need federal framework that res- that respects the work the, fra- the states have already done here. And so a lot of that is simply... Um, uh, descheduling um, for uh, um, at the federal level, and if a state wants to continue to not allow it in their backyard, allowing for them to make it to to keep it illicit, uh, helping enforce um, where it is illicit that it uh, it stays illicit, um, uh, but that state other states that have gone through it um, will have all the things another consumer packaged good would have, which access to interstate commerce, um, the ability to get uh, nationwide testing to have uh, uniform packaging and labeling laws, Um, all of the stuff that we would come to expect from a consumer packaged goods, especially one that people are using, such like older people are using it for uh, more medicinal purposes. So we need to make sure it it has what it it says it has and it it doesn't have, say, harmful pesticides in it. So that's the, the basic framework. And I think beyond that, we need some best practices about making sure that youth use doesn't go up and in fact goes down after legalization um substance abuse is both um uh prevented and treated uh and that we are doing everything we can um to make sure that people are not driving while high so on a very basic very high level that's what we would hope to see from the
0: federal government uh, so so pretty much basically you're asking for a for a uh, for a flip of how it is right now because it's illegal federally and states are choosing whether it's legal. So make it legal federally, and then the states choose uh, to make it illegal.
1: Yeah, the the states where it is illegal, they've already chosen that right now. So nothing would change the day after descheduling. So um, if you are in Mississippi, Mississippi already has its laws on the books, um, and they've they've sort of already opted to say that it is illegal. Um, So I guess what I would just say is that the day after descheduling, it, the status of cannabis legalization in any one state
0: wouldn't change; it would already be what it is. What policy considerations are are there towards safety? How, I mean, how can folks know what they are using or was safely made?
1: You know, so um, states like Alaska have in, uh, implemented their own testing labs, um, and they and there is some testing going on, but it really is the purview of the federal government to make sure that testing is done in the best way possible. Um, uh, states are not typically the ones to do that sort of quality control um, and, and to look after that. So it, it is a, a critical point that um, federal government needs to be in here doing it and, and making sure that um, not only that the, the ingredients that you say are in there are actually in there, like a lot of the stuff we are testing right now Somebody claims there's this percentage of THC and this percentage of CBD, and then we go and look into the product, and, and then neither of them are, are present. Um, but also, there are harmful pesticides being used that, that do show up in cannabis. There are um, molds and, and um, uh, other uh, bacteria in there that, that shouldn't be in there, um, and that really do require the federal government to institute national testing standards and, and certifications to make sure—
0: that the, these products are as safe as possible. And you touched on the substance abuse side. What can be done in that regard?
1: So uh, like a lot of other substances, um, a lot of people can use it very responsibly, and some people have uh, a tendency to uh, abuse. There, There is a, a diagnosis for this, which is called cannabis use disorder. Um, and like other substances, there are best practices for being able to both prevent and treat cannabis use disorder. But it really takes having a responsible use uh, framework rather than a prohibition framework like we do now. And and what we need to do is both educate those that uh, are likely to abuse the substance um, uh, about what is going to happen to them and then provide them treatment alternatives from cannabis tax revenue um, should they become uh, a substance dependent on it. Uh, and again, in places like alcohol, tobacco, this has proven to be an effective framework.
0: Well, Andrew, I, I appreciate you giving a little bit of a national perspective here on cannabis. So Is there anything you'd like to add before we close out the program?
1: Yeah, I, w- I would just add, I, I really do believe uh, that that Alaska and, and, Al- and Alaskans are going to be Really fundamental to this debate, uh, kind of come at it from this point of view of, of this should be the states' rights, and states really can lead in here, and the federal government should step out of the way to allow for common sense uh, reform here. Uh, and so, I do ask if voters are interested in that, if listeners are interested in that, that they call nine zero seven five eight six seven two seven seven. That's the uh, that's the uh, uh, and leave a message for Dana Herndon, who's the regional director for the delegation, because uh, we really are looking for. Uh, the Alaskan delegation to to be the leaders on this issue.
0: Very good.